Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast brought to you by the brand new DeerCast Maps. And this is episode, episode number 273, and I am Matt Drury. This week, we have no Tim Chelsvik, so I expect for our ratings just to go through the roof. I have a co-host here, Steve Kundog Kuhn, in studio. Hold on, Kundog, I have... <laughs> Look at that, Tim. I got cheers. <laughs> Tim never gets applause. In fact, he goes, I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> Hold on. We missed Tim. Tim's on vacation, so uh, we didn't plan well in, in advance. <laughs> we didn't shoot an extra episode before he left. So on Friday, and I was out of the office, he, he was texting me. He said, hey, uh, we need to think about the podcast next week. So it's a little late. <laughs> so I texted Coondog. I said, hey, I need a stellar, good-looking, silver fox of a co-host. Oh. <laughs> and, and you brought your mustache yeah, along with you. My mustache. The stash. <laughs> so... I'm excited to have you in because I've been proofing all these critical mass episodes. Coondog is back on critical mass this season on the outdoor channel and he's bringing the heat. I mean, you had like a hellacious year last year. Yes, I did. I mean, I, I could not be more excited and tickled to death to be back on critical mass. I was absent for two, three years, but it was for a good purpose. I stepped up to the plate and was helping Mark yep. on 13. So, it, you know, that's what this is about is team. So, there's no I in team around here. We're all team. There's no I in Coondog. No, that's right. You had to think about it. Yeah, you had to think about it for a minute. Well, <laughs> I had to check my list. <sighs> so we're getting, you know, we're, we're past the July 4th point, which is when everybody really starts getting serious. Guys like Mark and Terry, they've been serious all, all year round. But after July 4th is when us novice guys start thinking a lot more about deer hunting, about getting our stands out or trail cameras, all that stuff. So you, your, your style of hunting is a little bit different in the fact that you, you know, you might go to an outfitter or you might go to a friend's place or you might, but you're helping them with their food plot structure, putting in their plots, their architecture. So when you get to this point of the year, what are you doing to get prepared to make sure that if you are going to an outfitter or are going to a friend's place that by the time you get there, they're dialed in and, you know, and the season's going, you know, what deer that, that are there and, you know, kind of the food plot set up, you've, you've gotten your hands dirty, so to speak, and, and you're helping set things up. What, what's your process at this point in the season? Yeah, you're a hundred percent right there, Matt. Uh, Dennis, with his good friend over there in Illinois, who I hunted with last year, me and him's been communicating, and he he lives at his farm. I mean, he just loves it. But anyway, he's already got our food plots uh, cut, disc, ready to go, and he'll do that all the way up until planting here in August. And we see that window when we got to get the seed in the ground. So until then, it's just prepping it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I leave next week to go up to Mark. Mark was gracious enough to uh, give me some platform, so I'm going to elevate my ground blinds this year on this particular farm in Illinois. We're going to be up in the air a little bit. And uh, do a Kansas tag. So I got with Caleb at KNS Outfitting. We're going to be, I'm going there again this year. So, you know, and then I got a couple other opportunities to hunt out of state. Uh, Jeb Bailey, Suspect Outfitting, where yeah. I killed my biggie. 
Uh, got something going on with him possibly. And then also up in Ohio with Brad Snow. So there's opportunities there. It's just how the dominoes fall. So do you, you know, what do you do to ensure that you're going to have a, a good hunt? You're not always going to be successful when you go to an outfitter, but by and large, their goal is to get you on deer. Your goal obviously is to get on one. So what do you do to try to ensure that you're on the successful side of a hunt versus coming home eating tag soup? Well, basically a lot of that has to do with, of course, trail cam picks and these outfitters, a good outfitter knows their deer. No doubt about it. And if they're a hunter, which all these guys are, they know where to get you on deer, how to hunt them. So that's really a big part of my success when I go to an outfitter is that I'm just going there to shoot the deer. They're the ones that do the legwork. They, you know, they follow them with the trail cams. They scout. They do everything. And these guys make sure their clients have a success. That's what makes them so good. Well, you've hunted at a lot of outfitters. What's the difference between the, uh, how do you know when you're calling one up for the first time and you're talking to them? How would you help the viewer or the listener at home understand how to choose an outfitter uh, successfully? Because there's a ton of them out there and they're not all created equal. No, I've been to those places before. And when you talk to them and all of a sudden they promise you everything under the sun, watch out. It's usually a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, it's usually a bad sign like, oh, guaranteed. You know, when you hunt 100% wild, fair chase, nothing's guaranteed. You know, I look at it this way. When a deer steps out in front of you, it, it, it's because the outfitter did his work. He put the time in, and he sat you there for a reason. Biggest thing is don't never guide the guide because, you know, to me, you listen to him. You don't want to say, oh, let's move. Let's go somewhere else. I'm not seeing deer, blah, blah, blah. And then on the other hand, you get to be friends with these guys. So you communicate with them, and then, on, and then I'll talk with you and, and pick your brain and say, okay, what do you think? What do we need to do? And then that's when you can put your input in, which helps. And then now you're combining his knowledge with your knowledge. So that, you know, puts you at the top of your game. Because, you know, you've hunted, you know, how, how old are you? Well, just for the ladies or just, just for There's me? no ladies listening. Oh, then I, I'm fortunate I'm 62. Okay. <laughs> So you're 62 years old. You've hunted your whole life. How do you, I know that you know how to go in and set up a farm. You know how to go in and, and you know when, when to hunt, the days to hunt, what, what you know, what you're looking for from sign. So I, I guess my question is, how do you go in there and how can you take a backseat to the outfitter knowing that you might know as much as they do? You know, you haven't scouted like they are, the, they're deer, but you know how to hunt. You know what you're looking for. So if things aren't going exactly great and you're not seeing deer and maybe the weather's great, it's not that's bad weather. You're going to pour on deer cast or something. It's you're getting great and you're just not seeing anything. How do you then go in there and respectfully maybe give them some ideas of, 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 Hey, maybe we try this or maybe we go to that spot today. Or, you know, is there a way that you can, you don't want to guide the guide. I mean, that's a saying right. for a reason, but is there a way that you can bring your point across and, and try to be heard on, on new ideas? Oh yeah. You're hundred percent right. Like, uh, he'll show me different locations, different spots and everything. And then I'll go check them out and I'll look and just say, okay, you can hunt this farm. You can hunt this piece of dirt. And normally I'll go there and I'll do a little pre-scouting, you know, I'll, Wherever I go, I always go two or three days ahead of time because I like to set my stuff up, which they allow me to because I'm a ground blind hunter and uh, film by myself a lot of time. So I have to do that. And uh, they kind of like 
So I say, okay, here's your pie. Take a piece, see what you want to do with it. And that's what I do. You know, he'll show me like at uh, KNS, Caleb, he'll show me two or three farms. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I'll put my two cents in. And he goes, well, let's try here. And he'll show me trail cam picks. This is the deer I got on this piece of ground. Great. All of a sudden, deer don't show up. He goes, what do you think? I go, well, none of these deer have shown up yet. I got another piece of dirt. Unfortunately, I don't have no pictures of no big deer on it, but there's a lot of deer on there. All right, I go there and look. Looks good. Let's set up here. And, you know, he'll help me set up and do whatever. But it's like friendship more than anything, I guess, with a lot of these guys. You become friends. I mean, they know who we are. You know, nothing, you know, I'm just coon dog, but whatever. But I don't get no special treatment when I go to these places or anything like that. But they do respect my input when I do say something like, hey, let's set up here. Let's move. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, if I if I'm going to a place and I've hunted a few outfitters in the past, it's been a little bit since I've done it, but <clears throat> I've never had any success that I can recall at an outfitter. And it's it's good camaraderie. It's great accommodations. It's great food. You might see a lot of deer, but it's it's one thing. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to necessarily uh you can't bank on being successful when you go to an outfitter and you got to have that mentality going into it. Like, and I think that's tough when you're paying, especially now you're paying, you know, a lot of money to go and then there's travel costs and all that yeah. tag costs and all that. And I, I would just feel like there's a little more pressure than maybe in the past to, Hey, I got to succeed. I got to kill right. something. And, and then I wonder if it, it kind of uh, fogs your judgment on what to shoot or, you know, are pushing a shot necessarily or yeah. those types of things. And you made a good point about the bells and whistles compared to, you know, a smaller outfitter, which I like the smaller guys because it seems like they cater to that group that comes in. You go somewhere where they got 20, 30, 40 guys in camp. Oh, man, you're lost in the shuffle. But when you show up and there's like six to seven, you know, and you're hunting 30, 40,000 acres, that's pretty good odds i mean yeah that's i'd say that's probably on the rare side <laughs> yeah. where it's that that much ground and that few people i would think that's on the rare side but i i don't know it's been a while since i've i've researched yeah, outfitters but you know you hunt kansas you know what it is just yeah. strips and there's more ag than anything so yeah. when you think of a farm that has 600 acres it might only have 80 90 acres of timber yeah yeah and of that maybe 40 that's huntable that's huntable <laughs> right so you know so that's how it is in a lot of places so what, where are you the most excited to go this year? I mean, and, and how are you tackling? You're, you're retired. You, you know, how are you tackling all these rising gas prices and, you know, the cost of tags and all that stuff? I mean, that's, you know, it's got to yeah. factor in your decision of where you're going. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that, that's like with hunting with Dennis over in Illinois. I mean, it's an hour from the house, but still it's 60 miles, 120 miles round trip. So, I mean, you know. Is Dennis an outfitter or that's a friend? That's a friend. Yeah. yeah. That's, Dennis is a friend. Yeah. He's a Owned a business where I worked at back in the years, and he's a volunteer fireman, so pretty cool. And uh, he's got a great setup, and he's just friends, you know, and we just became friends. And he'd been inviting me for years to come over to hunt, and finally last year I did. Went over there, food plots, like you said, food plots we put in, stands, did everything, and his farm set up great now. I mean, he's, he's, he's ready to rock. And you helped him kind of yes. set up everything. Yeah. Yeah. He had it. We, I just tweaked it, put it that way. Mm. Just but you killed a hell of a deer there last year. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the one we were. It wasn't our number one target deer, but it was number two. So that was pretty good. So is that I don't, that hadn't aired yet? Has it airs 
next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this should go up today's Wednesday the sixth. This podcast probably will go up today or tomorrow. So next Tuesday on the Outdoor Channel. And this it's pretty fun. The deer basically <laughs> snuck in on coon dog. They're on a they're in a ground blind, eye level, and the deer basically within <laughs> spitting distance. Yeah. <laughs> Rookie mistake, but I pulled it off. So what what happened there? You bleated too loudly. Too loud. He was too close. I was my Everybody that's watched me in the past, I get pretty excited. Well, Dennis said he heard a deer grunting, and we put out a doe decoy because we wanted any deer to see this decoy. Well, we're sitting there early in the morning, and Dennis goes, I think I hear a deer grunting. I go, you do? And I can't hear nothing. I'm old. I go, where at? He goes, over here to the right. So I'm sitting there. I go, you sure? He goes, yeah. So I automatically picked my bow up and got ready. You know, I'm sitting there. About that time, here comes this big old buck walking in the window. I was like, whoa, man. He had a lot of mass, too, man. Oh, five and a half inches all the way out. So she said, yeah, <laughs> hold on. Where's my soundboard? <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that hunt, it was exciting because the deer was so close. You, you bleat and he takes off running, but he doesn't run. So he, he stays within crossbow range. Yeah. I think he ran out to like 30, when I maybe? range him. I think he was at 40 ish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of that HHA too. Speed up. Bam. Yeah. Yeah, so you knew where he was at. You moved it real quick, and he gave you the time oh, to perfect shoot. Perfect shot. Yeah, yeah, he just stood back and looked. His mistake. But uh, there's some giants over there, and hopefully another one walks by, and we can pull it off again this year. But, you know, like you said, the gas price, I even talked to Jeb about that, and, you know, about traveling and stuff like that. Because before, when you'd go somewhere, like some of these outfitters sometimes, if you, you know, they'll let you come back. Yeah. You know, and but now – to travel two or three times, woo, costly, costly. <clears throat> so you're gonna try to make it. So say that if you don't kill on your first trip there, they invite you back. Or are you gonna go back? Because that's a long drive. It's a long drive. Yeah. Would you go back? Would I go back? Yeah, I'd probably figure it out. Figure something out. <laughs> Glutton for punishment. Glutton for punishment. <laughs> but you know that's where it's so bad. You know, that's like with me and Caleb at K and S. We talk about it. I say, with the gun tag, I know I'm there for that week. And it has, you know. Yeah, yeah. When you have a bow tag somewhere and you can keep coming, coming back. back. See, that's what it was. Well, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I guess my trip, my experience in Kansas last year was similar. It was like I had an early season muzzleloader tag. There was only like a two week period where you could go hunting, and we picked a cool front, and that was it. We weren't going back. It yeah. was that, or, you know, we were either going to kill on that four or five day stretch or not kill at right. all. You know? Which, which mentally going into it, that was my game plan. So I kind of, you know. You hate to spend all the money and the tag and the and gas, but in my mind, I'm thinking, here's my one shot. Right. I'm not coming back. So it made it a little easier. But you're right. Like, I've had Illinois tags, bow tags, you know, f- every year for the last decade, just about. And it's just like, you keep going over, you keep going yep. over. And, and that you kind of get caught in a web of, you know, it's like, man, I, I know. I got the tag. I can go. The weather's good. Let's go do it. And that's like with in Ohio with Brad Snow at Killing Bucks. I mean, that's an awesome place, but oh, it's an eight, eight and a half hour drive. That's a poke. That's a poke. You're looking at a lot of money too. At the, you know, to go, <laughs> you're you're only going to do that once. That would probably be a one timer. Yeah, you better know? time it out. You better look at your deer cast. <laughs> yes. for, hey, now you got 14 days of deer cast prediction to look at. There you go. So you could time it out a little better. And, and what a great gift to have on that to be able to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, the 14 serious. days. 14 yeah. days? Now, I mean, the reality, it's it's changing hourly because it's, it's it's constantly updating with the weather, cha- you know, with the weather API. It's constantly updating that prediction. But 14 days out at least gives you a general idea of like, you know, if it's red, 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 and all of a sudden you start seeing green, it's like, okay, the weather's going to change between now and 14 days, but is it going to change that much? I mean, you, at least you have an idea like, hey, two weeks from now I might be going right. out. You know, you can give your yeah. boss a heads up. In your case, you can give your wife a heads up. Yeah. Your real boss. Yeah, real boss. Yeah, for <clears> sure. <throat> no, Cooper's the real boss. Your grandson? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So you spent the entire spring just about up at Mark's place for oh, turkey season. Yes. So you guys kill a bunch of turkeys. You have a lot of guests come in, but you, you're hunting a lot of different dirt. So I'd, I'd like to know what you're seeing with the decline in population. Like a lot of people are, are seeing a decline, but for you guys, were you seeing that same issue? I know Mark is very particular about jumping from farm to farm and they keep kind of a log of the year before what they killed where and they kind of give, you know, they have that luxury to be able to give a farm some time to rest. He's got a lot that he leases up there, has permission to hunt. So I mean, what were you seeing as you were there in turkey season? A lot of birds, just okay, or it just depends where you were at? Well, I think it all falls back on the way Mark, Wade, and Perry do everything with the habitat and everything. I mean, it's funny. When they set up a farm or they do something different, they always think turkey, too. Not only deer. Mark, you know, Mark, he loves the turkey hunt, so Mark always thinks about the turkey. But, uh, like, true, we kept track. Every year we keep track of the jakes. You know, we didn't hit a farm too hard. We take maybe go to this farm, maybe shoot one bird off of it, maybe two. Uh, we never did pound a certain farm, but in reality, I mean, the birds were plentiful, really. I mean, we were and this fortunate. Is like nor- northern Missouri, northern southern Missouri, Iowa, yes, yes, central, south central, yeah. or southeast Iowa. I guess I don't know. Uh, it was one of Mark's buddies stepped on the farm for the first time. Perry and I took him hunting that morning. Literally, it was like the old days in Missouri. You heard fifteen to sixteen birds gobbling. That's uh, crazy. Unbelievable. You guys were in rare air because it sounds like hardly anybody's having that experience anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were, and our birds last year too were older birds too. I mean, they were big, mature birds with inch and a half hooks or better. Yeah. It was unbelievable. So <clears throat> spending that much time with, with Mark and the crew up there, what's a takeaway, you know, one thing that you learn or, you know, you've been doing this a long time with them. So I don't know that you're necessarily picking up any new tricks cause they, they kind of have their certain way of hunting, but is there something that you picked up on this year that you're like, Hey, I'm adding this to my arsenal. Well, if it would be anything, I'd say, shoot. Oh man, that is a good question there. Because like you said, it's been there and we know what we each other does and what we do. Probably, I would almost have to say, true. You're on the clock. I'm on the clock. Tick, 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 tick. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the the farms that you you don't hit hard, you know. Because, you know, back in the day, we'd get a farm, we'd go in there and run a seine through it. Yeah. You know, we'd kill four or five birds off of it. Now it's like you go in there and kill one, you kill two, you're like, okay. So more or less, I guess, the the habitat for the turkey and how you hunt them like deer, you manage them. I mean, Mark really manages his turkey herd. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird. Yeah. But I think that's what, you know, if you guys are still seeing those great numbers, that's obviously that's working because there's not a lot of people that are seeing high numbers of, you mm-hmm. know, flocks. So that's, uh, it's, it's, you know, stands out. 
Yeah, and it's it, it just, it's amazing. It, it just, if people would ever just see, I mean, it's, he he works. I mean, he works hard. It, it, you you were in camp and, and obviously, <clears throat> you know, some of the social media, you know, crap that the guys take about fanning. Oh, reaping. yeah. You know, what are your thoughts? Because you guys have been doing that for forever. forever. Yeah, I know. And then all of a sudden somebody wants to start something about it. But it's just another trick. It's not illegal. You know, as long as you do it safe, it's fair game, really. I mean, it's a big game changer, though, I'll tell you what. When them, bird, them birds come in, it's just amazing. And I think that's supposedly the knock on it, you know, that, that it is a game changer, that the, that's a, some sort of biological reaction that they have to it. And they, you know, they, it's almost like seeing red. They can't help themselves but to, to come in. I mean, do you guys see it succeed every single time or is it? No. Yeah. No, not every time. But it does help on some of them other birds but uh, hung up yeah but here's what i did learn I, i'm glad you brought that up mark was talking to a biologist about the turkeys and it was weird we never thought of this about shooting a strutting turkey they tell you not to shoot the strutter but to shoot a slick down one because they said the strutter's the breeder hmm. and you shoot the strutter and then you're shooting the breeder you're shooting the breeder interesting yeah because we always like to see them all strutting and yeah yeah that's it's it, it's just fun to watch. <laughs> Plus, when you got two or three of them strutting, you don't know which one's the breeder, so they're fair game, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I was just curious what your thoughts were on the whole fanning and because and I know you guys do it with a lot of success, but yeah. you know you haven't seen any decline in your population because of it. But you guys aren't hunting just one farm every year. You, you right. know, he he did he does get a lot of permission from a lot right. of a lot of you know friends or farmers or or whatever. And our best technique is though have. Mark up front calling and have a guy float calling in the back. Mark starts them. Mark shuts up. And then the guy in the back picks up and that bird just yeah. come, come, come. You're come. usually the float caller, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much the time. Yeah. yeah. What do you, mouth or slate? Uh, I prefer slate because yeah. I can stay low and sound like a really, really good hit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Coondog, you ready for some shenanigans? Sure, why not? <laughs> All right. So I, I told you a little bit about the, we do this section called the Real Wild Clip of the Week. It's powered by DeerCast. And basically, we're going to show you a clip, and then you and I are going to look at it and comment on it as it's happening. Give our reaction. So, Sounds good. All right. So go ahead, Alan, and roll that beautiful Real Wild Clip. All right, so we got he's here, he's here. a guy here. He's on the ground, cut cornfield, giant deer, and he's behind a homemade buck decoy. Looks like like almost like a cardboard cutout or something. And he's in the middle of this cornfield, and this deer sees. We're, it's funny because we were just talking about decoys. This deer sees this buck decoy that he's made. This kid and a camera guy are hanging behind it. He draws his bow. And then all of a sudden, the camera gets in focus, and this giant buck is, what, maybe 20 yards there? Unbelievable. What would you do, Coondog? Well, I'd probably be shaking so bad I'd knock the decoy over. <laughs> Look at that slow-mo, nocturnal, glowing, perfect hit. It was quarter and two just a little bit, but not bad, really. And he makes a perfect shot behind that decoy. You know, I wonder how the wind was. The wind had to have been. Oh, it had to be yeah, in his face. It had to be in his face, yeah. Yeah. Is that not crazy? Giant buck, too. Giant. Ooh. I think it was a gross boon. I mean, if you, if you could succeed 
and shoot one with your bow on the ground behind a decoy like that. And I'm sure the guys out west are like, oh, yeah. come on, Flatlander. <laughs> like we do this all the time yeah. when we antelope hunt or but that's not that's not a common practice here in the Midwest, really. I mean, no. decoying like that. I decoying is one thing. Spotting and stalking behind a decoy is a whole nother thing. Oh, for sure. I know I've seen it done with the antelope decoys, how they do yeah. it out there. But this, that's pretty wild. Yeah. What do you think? So you'd be shaking? Oh, I phew. Heck yeah. Make a perfect shot like this guy? Uh, how many shots I get? <laughs> Just one. Oh, eh, it'd be tough then. <laughs> that footage, I mean, it's gorgeous footage too. He's filming the, his buddy's filming the DSLR, so it's a little shaky, but I mean, the camera guy's got to be, you know, excited too here. Yeah, and here's the deal. That's a mature buck. Yeah. That's not no year and a half that always comes up to you and looks at you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's obviously having a reaction to that decoy there. But the hunter, good for him. I mean, he didn't draw back to that deer put his head back down to eat. Yeah. I just love this shot. Slow-mo. You see the path. He is quartering two a little bit, but he tucked it perfect. And then just boom. Perfect hit. Deer track. Deer cast track. Let's see what he's gonna do. This so this footage was brought to you by Brandon Quant. I think Quant. And uh, I think he's hunting over in Illinois and just a phenomenal shot. I love it. I love it. Real wild clip of the week. Nice. That was a good one. Awesome. That's going to happen to you this year, dear. You're going to be spotting and stalking behind a decoy. Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Unless that decoy's got a crown blind behind yeah, it. Put it on wheels. Good for them. That's the best part to hug. The hug at the end. The best part. End. That's the best part. All right. So. Every week, you've been on the podcast a few times, so sure. you know we do the the question of the day. Are you ready for this question of the day? Yeah, you you got the answer. No, 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 that's the real wild. No, oh, that's I got the wildlife you. word. We do we get all kinds of stuff. All right, so question of the day is probably brought to you by Tenzing Packs. Go further, hunt longer. It's brought to you by Tristan Crawford from New York State. Let's see what he has to say. Hey guys, my name's Tristan Crawford. I'm from Northern New York, right on the east end of Lake Ontario. I just started working for New York State Parks and Recreation, and I work for a park that's roughly 1,100 acres. Um, I do know that it's heavily gun hunted, and I'm looking to slip in and kill a buck before gun season starts. Um, our bow season starts September 27th, and gun season starts October 22nd. Um, I'm wondering what kind of things I should pay attention to to try and get in and kill one of the, these bucks. Thanks. I really appreciate it. You guys are doing a great job. Awesome podcast. Well, look at him. Awesome podcast. So he's hunting public land. Yes. In New York, heavily pressured, but it gets pressured once gun season comes in, he's saying. So he's got their gun season starts October 22nd, which is really early, early. gun season. I think that's what he said. So I would think you're going to, I wouldn't think there'd be like a lot of food plots there or anything like that. No. So he needs to focus in on whatever mass crop there is. And if there's heavy acorn, you know, uh, that season there's a ton of acorns dropping, I would find a tree or an acorn flat or, you know, oak flat somewhere and hang, you know, go in and, and hang and hunt. I, I would try to go in and scout and look for some sort of sign, but you would think, Early on like that, there's not necessarily a ton. Of, there might be some scrapes starting, 
Um, I would, in fact, I would probably think there would be some scrapes, but basically you would factor in on where they bedded at and where's the mass crop at and try to get in tight on them to, you know, capitalize. That's what I would think. How about you? And I wonder too, I wonder if they're allowed to put cameras on public ground. I don't know. <laughs> and of course, sad to say, there's some people that don't respect other hunters property. So it'd probably get legs and walk. Yeah. So, I mean, just it's, let's, let's pretend that you can't. Okay, What's you your can't. strategy? I'm with you 100%. Scouting would be the biggest part. I mean, from a distance, from a four, whatever you can do, get in there, sit somewhere in the morning, see if you can, you know, lay an eye on certain deer and where they're coming from their bed, like you said, go into bed, whatever. But scouting is going to be your biggest point right there. Now, if there so happens to be a food source, I don't know if the, like the, the, the parks, you know, if they have corn, beans, because I know like out here, like bush wildlife, like yeah. they have tons of food. So if there happens to be food, I wouldn't think it'd be harvested yet at this point in the season. So you might capitalize off them going from food to bed, or if there would be beans, I don't know, in the Northeast like that, when they start defoliating like they do here. I mean, by, you know, by end of September, they're starting to defoliate, uh, you know, and, and turn brown and so I, you know, there's a lot that I don't know about his area, but at the very least, you would think that you would key in on whatever mass crop there is there and hang and hunt and try to capitalize off of them coming and eating there in the timber. Yeah, I've, I've way, way back in the day, I hunted some public land like that, and it was tough. I mean, it's really, really tough. And you go out there blind, you know, climber, climb up a tree, sit there, wait, don't see nothing. You take the climber down you find another good spot but you look for travel corridors you know a lot of trails whatever you're like oh here's some trails maybe something will come by here but yeah your key there is going to be scouting put your you know put your time in well now there's so many options to scout ahead of time you know via maps like you know in deercast we have really really clean quality maps in google you'd be able to zoom in pretty tight and see potentially where those you know, flats might be and look at the train and, and give yourself an idea before you ever even go in there. So I wouldn't wait till season. Certainly I would nope. start kind of tip tipping in and, and just kind of see if you could find the bedding areas or where these oak flats might be or, or whatever, you know, maybe there's persimmon trees or what, you know, I don't know in, in this particular area, what, what he would focus in on as far as a mass crop would, would go. But I would plan out ahead of time and I would act as if I were hunting I would get scent free. I would make sure my boots are clean. I would make sure that you're not leaving a, a trail, you know, when you're going in there. But I'd try to tip in earlier than later and start getting finding where that sign is now. And, and then you're ready for the season. Yeah, and not only that, it sounds kind of silly, but let the squirrels be your scouters for yeah. you. Because they're going to be cutting nuts here pretty quick. And you sit back a little bit and just watch the squirrels and just, you know, see what they're eating. And, oh, no. I'm not going to do it. I was going to hit the soundboard. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. But, yeah, I saw that look in your eye. <laughs> it was immaturity. Yeah. But, yeah, squirrels are big. You know, they're going. They're out there eating. They know where them nuts are at. Follow them. <laughs> cool, yeah, quit it. How do you think Tim feels? Oh, my God. That's why he took off this week. <laughs> He's going nuts. Get it? <laughs> All right. Oh, well, I, I, I think that's good advice, Coondog. And I, I wouldn't have thought about the squirrels, but that you're right. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna kind of lead you. <laughs> I don't know when their squirrel season starts. It might be in now, but maybe go in and start squirrel hunting and find out where uh, where yeah. you need to be deer hunting later on in the season. <clears throat> All right. So that's uh, that's the question of the day. Are you ready for the wildlife word? This is where I actually have the answer. Oh, don't look at your paper because it looks like you do too. 
don't. don't look at your paper. All right. Look at look straight to the camera. Can you even turn your neck right now? A little bit. <laughs> Your dog's so old, he's having neck problems. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, the Wildlife Word is brought, is brought to you by Leopold. Be relentless. So, what does the term natal range mean when referring to a deer? A, is it the distance from their tail to their belly button? B, is it their octave spectrum? C, is it the area they were born in? D, is it the distance from their nostril to their belly button? So Tim's got a couple options in here that you should know right out of the gate are not the answers. Do you okay. need me to read them again? Well, A, the distance from their tail to their belly button. B, their octave spectrum. C, their, the area they were born in. D, the distance from their nostril to their belly button. What does the term natal range mean? Referring to well, the air. I think natal has something to do with a baby, right? Yeah. All right. Well, with that... You could be a doctor. Well, doc does come up hunting. <laughs> That's as close uh, as we're going to... Yeah. Uh, I would probably go with the range, the baby range. Look at you, coon dog. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah, got it. Well, the natal. <laughs> it was the giveaway. It was the giveaway, yeah. Well, you could have... Con- uh, confuse natal with nostril, I guess. <laughs> it, <laughs> it happens. It happens. All right. So uh, we got some shout outs to get through. We have uh, Apple five star review from Ultimate 80. He just says it's a fun listen, brings good hunting insight and has humor as well. All right. Ultimate 80. We appreciate you. So we always say every week we'd love to get you guys over into the, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast, leave us a review and we'd like to read it on air. If it's a bad review, we'll read it too, but we don't get many of those. Yeah. But uh, where is Tim anyway? (laughs) Were you missing him? No. He's in Wisconsin. I think he went to the Dells. Oh, because I saw a picture on Facebook or Instagram. He's laying in the sand. He's on the beach and he's wearing his regular shorts. (laughs) I said, get some swim trunks, fella. If you knew you were going to the beach, bring a pair of swim trunks. Look like a fish out of water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he had just run 10 miles before he took the picture. That's probably what he did. You're you're a beach goer. Oh that, yeah. This tan doesn't happen by mistake. No. <laughs> this is no. This is hours of sitting it's, out and baking love, in the sun. Oh yeah. I love the sun. <laughs> Do you use any SPF? Do you, no. 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 You got that beautiful Indian skin tone. It just yeah. gets darker and darker. Doc Doc always yells at me too though. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're not uh, immune to skin cancer just because you're Native American. No, (laughs) but uh, yeah, uh, but it's harder and harder to find any suntan lotion with zero. Well, then it wouldn't be suntan lotion if it's zero. (laughs) What the hell are you talking about? Hey, I grew up with baby oil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not sunscreen. That's That's why you're so beautifully brown. Look like Kramer and Seinfeld. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that time. The turkey. Put butter on. <laughs> you ever put butter? <laughs> no, I never tried butter. <laughs> All right. All right. So every week we welcome new Rack Pack members. You're a member of the Rack yes, Pack. Yes, I am. Proud of it. Thank you for joining. And every week, Tim writes a ton of names down. Every week I screw a name up. Every week he puts a fake name in. This week you're going to read the names. 
So at the very <laughs> coon dog. <laughs> so at the very bottom it says, Welcome to the newest Rock Pat members. Uh and then it says Chris Johnson invited a ton of friends. I don't know who Chris is, but thanks, Chris. So you're gonna read these names off, Coon Dog. All of those. All of them. And oh. one of them's gonna be fake and you have to identify the fake name. Oh boy. Ready? I'm ready. How about Carl Oysterload? <laughs> it's Oyster Lund. Oh, well, I, how do you know that's the correct way to say it? I, I mean, <laughs> if it was Oyster Load, Load, I would think it'd be L O A D, not L U N D. Lund. <laughs> but what do I know? Uh, yeah. I screw these up every week. Hunter Real? Uh, Krill. Maybe to see silent. <laughs> Maybe. All right. All right. Nate Goody? Got it. Michael. That's a hard one. Whoa. D. Anzalo? D. Alessandro, I think. Wow. Howard Kelly? Yep. Dan Mayfield? Yep. Eric Travis? Travers. Travers. Yep. Dylan Johnson? Yep. Zeb Coriel? Coriel. Coriel. Yep. Bob Kidwell? Yep. George Clark. Man, which one of these is fake? Tim's not here, so I don't know. I would say... <laughs> These guys are all looking at me. Scott and, and Alan are looking at us here, which let's see. Okay, let's go back through here. Carl Oysterlund. I'm saying Zeb. Zeb uh, Zeb Coriel. Yep. Coriel. Zeb Coriel. A little slower. Zeb Coriel. Zeb Coriel. Ah, God damn it, Tim. <laughs> Bam. You got it. Yeah. Look at you, fishing. dog. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you. I. I'm new to fishing, and I got a Zebco. Kamer and I got a couple Zebcos. We got nicer reels, yeah. but I don't know how to use them yet. Okay. What do you use when you go fishing? You fish all the time. Well, it depends. If I'm fishing for bass, I use a bait caster. Okay. If I <laughs> crappie or bluegill, I like the little spinning reels. Okay. Yep. Any Zebcos? <laughs> yeah, for sure. See, I I took so much heat. On social media for using a Zebco. Why? Uh, apparently, it's a kid reel. No, they had the best catfishing reels back in the day, a Zebco 33, a Zebco 404. They That's the, what I thought. They were the best for catfishing. That's what I knew because I just remembered back in the day. Plus the price options. Yeah. That's the real reason I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, eh, we're probably going to fish like a handful of times a year. Let's not get a $200 reel. That's right. <laughs> All right, these are these are the things that I needed to know from you, Coon Dog. Oh, cool. So what's next? What's next? Yeah, for me. Yeah, not for me. I know what I'm going to do next. What are you going to do next? Well, I'm going to go back over to my desk and uh, catch up because I was out the end of last week. <laughs> well, I got a few days. Monday, I head up to Iowa Bonsai Run to pick up those platforms. So it's kicking off. How many platforms are you picking up? Three. How big's your trailer? Twenty-four foot. Can you fit a fourth? No. <laughs> because I have five to get, but I can only fit three on there. Damn it, because I need one. I was just, this morning, I was just telling Scott we need to build a platform because I'm, I couldn't get a, a metal one, so uh -huh. I needed to build a wooden one for yeah. one of our hawk blinds. Oh, I don't know if it would hold that. Oh, these are for ground blinds? Yeah, for ground blinds. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be too flimsy for that. So. Well, are you sure? Yeah. Well, what's the dip? what makes it flimsy for a ground blind, but not for a... Well, there's some weight to them hawks, ain't they? Yeah, but I would think you're still making a... I, I would bet money you They're can... They're little bitty. Oh. They're the old ones. 
So just not a ton of support. Not yeah, I don't. So think Mark's it. giving you ones that you could potentially fall off. Well, probably. He is throwing some safety belts in there. <laughs> well, what the hell good is that going to do from a platform? Uh, what are you connecting the belt to? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like you're going to have to put it underneath a tree. <laughs> it's the and put a safe line up in the tree. Right, but yeah. Anyway, but yeah, fun. <laughs> All right, so you got a big plan for the fall. Yeah. You're going to a lot of states. Hopefully. Are you hunting in Missouri at all? Are you going to Maybe. Marks? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Depends. I mean, we've been doing it now for the last three or four years, so hopefully That's it's That's one of those deals you just wait for the invite. Yeah, you wait for the invite. <laughs> and and you, you send pictures of the blender and send pictures of this. And you try like, to entice oh, yeah. him. <laughs> so... All right. Well, Coon Dog, we need to hunt together. It's yeah, been a while. we did. Well, we turkey hunted at one time. We used to turkey hunt a lot. All the time, yep. Back in the day. It's been a while. You left well, You left Terry's for Mark's. <laughs> Probably a smart choice. <laughs> well. <laughs> they kill more up there. <laughs> we kill some birds. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming in and standing in for old Timmy. Hold on. Timmy! <laughs> Timmy! Awesome. We needed to fill in and moments notice there's no I in team. There's no I in Coon Dog. Coon Dog filled Oh, in. yeah, for sure. I was excited. I was happy for the invite and I kept checking with you. I'm like, because when I saw Tim's picture, I'm like, why is he here? Well, Tim's out of town. How are we going to do this? That You're the co host. Oh, well, by gosh. You think we upgraded or downgraded? Well, or just. Well, when he gets back, let's see his tan. <laughs> we'll be near, we, you've definitely got the better tan. The better mustache, for sure. Old age. (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, appreciate you. Good luck this season. Look forward to touching base again. Oh, yeah. After you kill a giant somewhere. Somewhere. And good luck to everybody out there, and everybody be safe. All right. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Go download DeerCast Maps. Peace out. Love you guys. The results are in. DeerCast said great. It doesn't exist anywhere else but in DeerCast. Hunters love DeerCast's exclusive deer movement forecast. Get ahead of your game with DeerCast.